A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And And we we are are the Extra Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to episode 16. And in this episode, we are going to go through Silence of the Lambs. Originally based on the novel by Thomas Harris that you read. I did read it. And good novel. Yeah. Because it's a good movie. Yeah. Because the movie is basically exactly the book, you guys. Well... That's kind of cool, though. It is kind of cool. But even down to the choppiness of the movie, which isn't a bad choppiness, yeah. but, the, but how it goes to Hannibal and Clarice and back and forth and back and forth. It's and Buffalo Bill. It does that in the book. Mm-hmm. Every chapter is only like a couple pages long. Because it's just so many storylines. Yes. And yeah. it just keeps flipping over and over and over again. And while that made it a, an amazing movie, and I'm sure it made it an amazing book, it was also kind of... It was boring for me going back, having already seen the movie so many times. Yeah. You were just basically watching it again. Exactly. Yeah. So this movie is actually, like, when I first watched this, I was convinced. I think I was, like, 16 or so when I watched this movie for the first time. And I was so into being Clarice. Like, oh my god, I agree with you. I, I was literally on the FBI's website looking mm-hmm. up how to be physically fit enough, what scores I would need, what I would need to do, what I would need to major in. Like, I wanted to be a criminologist. I wanted to do forensic psychology. Like, I still would love that. But when you find out that the computers do all that and there's not really yeah. serial killers anymore that we know of because computers just do mm-hmm. all of it, is it was disheartening because I was, like, convinced that this was my career path. Absolutely. A behavioralist for the FBI. That's why you and I are so, we're just so similar on everything. Because when I was in high school, my mom was going to college. Mm -hmm. And one of her instructors was actually an FBI agent who ended up becoming a professor. And he knew I was fascinated with serial killers. Mm -hmm. And he used to tell me all the stuff that I would need to do to get into the FBI Academy. So it's it's interesting how similar we are. But then that doesn't exist anymore. Like it, yeah. To an extent, I mean, there's still FBI agents, obviously, but, but it's not like Lundy old. and Dexter that hunt serial killers. Yes. Yeah, a little bit different. So now we work in medical management and billing. Where did we go wrong? Well, that's just our side job. Our real job is the podcast You're right. that we really love. <laughs> Don't get paid for, but you know <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's the stuff we really care about. Murderers, you know, kind of like we figured Horror, it out. Horror, yeah, yeah. Help us get famous. Share the stuff. <laughs> Hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> so it starts out in the woods near Quantico, Virginia. And I said girly. Clarice is physically training and working very hard. And she's called into Crawford's office, which is one of her superiors. And I noted that there are only these two girls amongst all these men mm-hmm. at this period of time. She's got a friend. look at her. Like when she's walking through the halls and she gets in the elevator, they're looking at her like, who are you? What are you Little doing girl, here? go back. Yeah. yeah. Which is bullshit. And this is throughout the whole movie. I've noted it a couple times, too. Yeah. The, the patriarchy stuff yes. throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Yep. And I've even, that even comes up when they're in a different town and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. While waiting for Agent Crawford in his office, she sees all the photos and articles about Buffalo Bill. And you kind of see that this killer is going around skinning women. Mm-hmm. 
Luckily, it's post-mortem skinning, mm-hmm. but still how terrifying and yeah. horrifying. And post-mortem or not, he still has to kill them somehow. Yeah. And he, you actually don't know how he kills them in the movie, but in the book, he hangs a couple of them, but he shoots a lot of them. And yeah. he's a serial killer for a long time before he even gets to the skinning part. He brings women to his lair and he hunts them through that with these goggles that you see later on. Yeah. It's because he's been doing that for years. It does say that he shoots them, but it doesn't say anything about hanging them. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's all. I'd rather be shot. Honestly, if you're going to be a serial killer, shooting is a pretty merciful way to kill somebody. Yeah. But that's a whole different Especially thing. since there's so many sexual sadists that are serial killers. They yes. really want that pain and yeah. fear. He didn't. Yeah. Well. Mm, he kind of did. Yeah. But yeah. Not as much in the movie. Yeah. In the book, he really does. Mm. So you find out that Clarice is a psych and criminology double major and she wants to work for FBI behavioral science. So at this point, she's still in training at the academy. So she's not like an official FBI agent. She hasn't graduated from mm-hmm. training, basically. They're interviewing serial killers for profiles. They're starting to... This is in, This right. was filmed in 1991. Mm-hmm. And so they're starting to get their computer systems up and going. Yeah. Not like we have them today. If anybody watches Mindhunter, think of Mindhunter in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And he says Hannibal Lecter is refusing. And they're sending her in to talk to him. And he says, be very careful with Hannibal Lecter. So he's sending her in to try to get... Hannibal to do these this questionnaire as a serial killer to help profile. Can I I go off a rant? Please, yes. Rant, rant away. Someone is gonna call me out for this, and I'm, well, you know, I'm sorry, but honestly, I don't care because I have a confusion in this. If anybody watches The Big Bang Theory, I know you kind of do. Mm -hmm. I have, yeah. Amy mentions Indiana Jones at one point. And how Indy has nothing to do with the story, really. If you took Indiana Jones out of the story, everything would still play out. The Nazis would still get everything. Mm-hmm. It would still happen. And the more I thought of it, I just sat there and thought, Hannibal Lecter is like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's such a big part of the story. But if you took Hannibal Lecter out of this, they would still find Buffalo Bill. Maybe not so fast. He may have killed. They would still the, find him. They, uh, he may have killed Catherine. But, yeah. How lucky are you to not only have Hannibal Lecter to talk to, but also he's a psychiatrist and this was one of his clients. Yeah. Perfect little puzzle piece Yes. There. <laughs> it's like, I know that's the story, but yeah. it's like, of course, that had to happen. Yeah. She gets to the Baltimore Psychiatric Prison, basically, is what it is for the criminally insane. And the doctor that runs it, his name is Dr. Chilton, and I fucking hate that ass. <laughs> he's gross. Chilton is hitting on Clarice really hard. And she's like, I'm just trying to do my job, dude. Like, she's a professional. If some Mm -hmm. dude walked, I mean, obviously, because he's probably heterosexual. But it's like the same. You would award them professional courtesy. Award her professional courtesy as well. Once again, throughout the whole movie. This whole men. Patriarchy. Yeah. Chilton tells her that Hannibal Lecter is too sophisticated for standard tests. And Chilton says, do not test. Touch the glass, no paper clips, no staples on the paper. Do not accept anything he gives you. July 8th. Which he fucking fails out later. Yeah. July 8th, 1981, Hannibal Lecter complained of chest pains and he ate the nurse's tongue. So he like chewed off parts of her face and his pulse never got above 85. I love that shit. He's like straight up psychopath. Yeah. And the fact that his pulse never got above 85 is a whole 
So we just cut out a huge pause because we were talking about my neighbors because we opened the window and there's one across the street from me that I think watches the neighborhood. And as we're talking about it, I looked up and she's literally just standing in her glass window staring across the street at us because the window's open and she can see in. It's pretty creepy and it's our own horror movie right now, so. Yeah, she literally is just standing at the door staring. She hasn't moved for a a while. Two minutes. Yeah. So, um, we're going to try to move on, um, but we're being watched the whole time we're recording this. Maybe she's just like, what the fuck are those millennials Ooh, doing? Oh, she's moving. moving. Now we're watching her. <laughs> mm, this is about to get not very interesting for you guys, but there's stuff happening over here. I'll update you on the spooky lady as we go and let you know if she's moving. <laughs> <laughs> so Clarice uses that Chilton is a pain in the ass uh, to her favor and she like convinces him that she should go in without him. Mm-hmm. And, like, charms him or whatever. Which she does throughout the whole thing. That's the other part of it is not only the patriarchy, but then the other side of it, how she use her, uses her feminine wiles right. to gain entry in Hannibal Lecter's information and mm-hmm. Chilton. And... Yep. Which is cool. Um, but you meet the attendant, Barney, and he's really nice. He's a really nice guy. He Barney tells her, you'll do fine. I'm right there watching. He's a really sweet guy, and he's a very, like, comforting figure here. And she walks past the other inmates, and there's one... So, if you read the credits, one of them is credited as the respectful inmate, I think. And then really? the other one is, like, Migs. Yeah. And all the other inmates have bars, but when you get to Hannibal Lecter, he has glass. Yeah. Like, it is thick, thick glass. And then we're doing this, our first Dr. Lecter interview. His eyes freak me the fuck out. I already have a problem with eyes. Yeah. His eyes really got to me... I have watched this under the influence, and it makes it 20 times scarier because he just stares so intently the whole time and doesn't and it gets blink. worse, too. He doesn't blink. He Anthony Hopkins actually knew a friend of his that didn't blink, and it made people uncomfortable, and he took that from him. I would make it me worked. uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Especially, like, paying attention to eyes all the time. But he literally is just standing there waiting for her, looking at her as soon as she comes into view. You're one of Jack Crawford's, aren't you? May I see your credentials? Closer. Closer. And so she has to keep going up to the glass, but she was told not to go up to the mm-hmm. glass. And then he's like, that expires in a week. And so you're, they sent me a student. Why mm-hmm. would they send me a student? Me, a student. He says... So when she was walking by, Miggs said, I can smell your cunt. Mm-hmm. And oh, I hate that word. I myself cannot. Yeah. He, he does what he, yeah. he says he can't smell it. But then but he gets real creepy like a snake. He like goes up to this stuff and smells. He starts smelling the little holes in the glass. Yeah. And he Ugh. can smell her perfume and, and the skin and cream she wears. Yeah. And she wasn't even wearing the perfume that day. He said, you usually wear whatever, but not today. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I would be so intimidated even as a professional. Mm -hmm. And he knows it, too. Oh, yeah. She starts by asking about his drawings. And so she's trying to small talk. And uh, she tries to give him the questionnaire. But he says, no, no, no. You were doing so well. And says you were polite and made conversation or whatever. And you just tried to shove the questionnaire at me. See, this is just another thing of any degree program can get into the FBI Academy if you're smart enough. Yeah. So you just happen to have a psychologist degree that came into the FBI Academy mm-hmm. to interview a psychiatrist. You just happened to at that time when you needed it for Buffalo Bill. Well, 
Don't question it. <laughs> I have to. That's what I'm here for. I know. <laughs> Hannibal brings up Buffalo Bill. She says Buffalo Bill's name started because he likes to skin his humps. I'm still confused about what the fuck that means. I don't know. Exactly. Buffaloes have little humps on their backs. Hmm, maybe. That's probably what it is. Why not camel? Camel Bill doesn't <laughs> fit. Camel Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> He says that she's not more than one generation away from white trash. Well, first, why he lashes out so much is probably my favorite part. And I hadn't noticed it until this rewatch when I was really paying attention. Mm-hmm. She offends him. She she mentions how serial killers take mementos. And he goes, I didn't. She goes, no, you ate yours. So oh, he yeah. does. Right. And when she compares him to a serial killer, he lashes out because he's not any serial killer. He's better than them. He has which fine, refined taste. What all serial killers think. They all think that they're better. Than the others, yeah. And that they're different. And as and soon elevated. as she does that, he lashes out at her yeah. with all of this. Mm-hmm. Which was all ad-libbed. He did this. She didn't know it was coming. And oh. the reaction that she, that Jodie Foster has in this scene is real. Interesting. She actually took offense and stepped back and went back at him. Wow. Yeah, because he says that you're not more than one generation away from white trash. And he says she hasn't successfully shedded her accent. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's the part that got Jodie Foster's, because she's like, am I messing up the accent? Is that what he's trying to get at in this? And he says, a census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. Which is not the quote in the book, by the way. It's fava beans, and I'm going to mess up the term because I don't know alcohol. I just drink it. (laughs) It's fava beans and a nice amarone. I don't know. Whatever that is. Whatever the fuck that is. It's not Chianti. Chianti. Also, this is going to be mean, and I know this is a 90s thing, but her hair looks like a helmet to me. (laughs) It looks like a wig. I could not find any it's reference to it actually being a wig. Things. No, it's just the little rollers it's they put so in. It's so tough and just like, bam, just, it's a helmet. It was shiny at least. It was very shiny. Shiny and healthy. So after he like comes at her, he she tells him that he's too afraid to turn his perception on himself. Mm-hmm. And then she basically walks back and Miggs is masturbating and he flings stuff in her face. Mangoo. Mangoo. (laughs) And then Dr. Lecter yells at her and is like yelling at her, come back, come back, come back. And he tells her to look for an old patient of his and gives her all this information about this old patient. He felt bad for her. She got just slinged in her face. But seriously. So he just happens to have this old patient that he knows about that Jack Crawford knows about. So does Jack Crawford know who the fuck this dude is? And he's just playing? No, I think he's just not considering all his angles. And there's a flashback scene, and you see Clarice as a child running to her daddy, who is a police officer, and you can tell that they're really close. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts back, and she's sobbing at her car. Which she took from an actual FBI woman. Oh, really? Yeah. She followed around a woman in the FBI, and that woman told her, she's like, do the car crying thing. Because it's a real thing. What would you do if someone not not only treated you like that, but also flung, you know, sperm? In your face. As you're just trying to walk down the hall. I would sob. Doing your job. Especially in her eye. Exactly. You don't know what. I mean, we work with an eye doctor. (laughs) Shit can happen to your eyeballs. You can definitely get 
crabs in her eyelashes. See? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> so then it cuts back to the academy and she's training. And then she's also researching Dr. Lecter. And she gets a call from Crawford that Miggs is dead. Hannibal was whispering to him all day and Miggs swallowed his own tongue. How? I don't know. I want to know how his body let him do that. Yeah. Or how he was convinced to do that. Yeah, exactly. It's not like he hung himself. The fact that this guy can kill someone by just whispering to them is crazy. I know Miggs was, like, mentally incapacitated, but, like, ooh, that's Uh scary. She figures out that Hannibal is directing her to a storage unit, and no one has been in the unit for ten years. And then she finds a head in a jar. With eyelashes and makeup and shit on. Yep. And so she goes back to talk to him, and he gives her a towel because she was in the rain. He's very courteous. He's got this little bin that you can push out and in to give Mm -hmm. things and take things. And Hannibal wants to talk about Buffalo Bill and wants the case file. And he says the man in the jar was a former patient, and that's how he found Buffalo Bill, his victim. I thought the man in the jar was Buffalo Bill's victim, but the stuff, okay, like the car was... Hannibal Lecter's patient. Mm-hmm. So then Buffalo Bill put the head in. Yeah. So the head is not Hannibal Lecter's kill. It's right. Buffalo Bill's kill. Correct. It is not Hannibal's kill. No. Because that's what I thought the first few times I watched it was that yeah. it was one of his victims, but it wasn't. It's one of Buffalo Bill's victims yeah. that Hannibal knows about. That whole thing is kind of confusing to me. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of just shoved in there, and it is in the book, too, so it didn't help me at all yeah. understand more. Yeah. So what I took from it was that he... Because this guy had makeup on, and there was mannequin with, like, um, clothing on. Mm-hmm. So it's either Buffalo Bill's storage unit. And that's where he put the head, or it's the victim's storage unit. Mm -hmm. And so he just kind of commandeered it after he killed the victim, which wouldn't surprise me because he commandeered someone's house after killing them later. Right. You know? So maybe he just took over the storage unit and started putting stuff there. That's true. Because Hannibal says this other guy wasn't a crossdresser, he was a garden variety manic depressive, is Mm -hmm. what he called him. But Clarice notices they took his drawings out of his cell and they're making him watch a gospel program as punishment for basically his hand and and Migs dying. So Dr. Lecter then talks about how he wants to view a window. He wants to be in a federal institution and he's offering a psychological profile of Buffalo Bill. It says, I'll help you catch him, Clarice. So he doesn't want to be in this glass box anymore, mm-hmm. essentially. He and- was so creepy on set, Anthony Hopkins was, that Jodie Foster would avoid him. She only was around him for these scenes. I think that he did amazing. And he did. I love him so much for this performance. This was his last ditch effort to get into Hollywood and be a famous name. And obviously it worked. Because everybody knows <laughs> Anthony Hopkins now. Uh, yeah. Because how good was that performance, though? Yes. It was amazing. It was so good. He's so scary. Yes. And believable. And then, after he says that, it cuts to a girl driving, and she's being spied on. She sees a man struggling to load a chair into a van, and he has a cast on, and so she offers to help. Very Ted Bundy-esque. That's what I was going to say, which is actually a nod to Ted Bundy. And he was he was taken after three serial killers. Ted Bundy, because of that scene right there. Mm-hmm. Ed Gein, because of the skinning. Right. And Gary Heidnick. Which, I don't know if you know much about this serial killer, but he kept women in his basement buried in holes 
and he thought that they don't do this in the movie, but the serial killer thought that he was going to impregnate these women and they'd take over the world. Ew. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah. In the book or the actual serial killer? The actual serial killer, Gary Heidnick, thought that he was going to impregnate these women and they'd take over the world. But these women, he kept in holes in his basement. That's the part that they took for I see, I see. So they took a bunch of pieces of different killers. killers. Got it. So obviously he gets her and he checks to make sure she's a size 14 and then he cuts her shirt off and strokes her back. Oh, good, good, good. (laughs) He gets so excited. So Clarice is going with Crawford to investigate a Buffalo Bill type situation is what they say in the movie. And you find out he keeps them alive for three days. There is no sexual assault. He shoots them, skins them, dumps them. That's how they say it. And she gives a profile when they're on their way. She says he's white, 30s or 40s, has his own home, never impulsive, will never stop. And then they arrive at a funeral home. It's a very small town, and it's kind of this whole cops versus FBI standoff when they get there. And Crawford says he wants to talk to the sheriff in private because of certain sexual aspects and looks at Clarice. And so they, like, leave her out there. Pisses me off. (laughs) If anybody has a right to know what just happened to this woman's body... It's a woman, mm-hmm. especially if it is a sexual aspect. I'm sorry, two fucking men don't have a right to know that she was raped. Yeah. They don't. Right. She does, if anything. Because yeah, at least definitely. she has the, the sympathy and empathy to associate with that, whereas men are just like, oh, yeah, this sucks. Yeah. Like, I'm, I of get course. they also feel bad for it, but it's yeah. just different. Right. Hate that. And she's super triggered in this funeral home, too, because she's brought back to seeing her father in a casket. So you see that her father died when she was young around the same age you saw the first flashback creepy old woman update she's standing in her driveway now staring but she's on the other side of her car but she's not in her car okay moving on so they're in an autopsy room and she basically i love this because there's all these cops standing around and she's like go on now we, we're going to help her now. <laughs> this is more of the patriarchy. I made another comment because they look at her like, Excuse the weren't fuck you going to bring us a sandwich? Yeah. And then they wander off. Like, oh my God, <laughs> just leave. Small town, good old boys. Um, exactly. And I'm not sure if I'm taking that as just a, it's an FBI versus small town thing or if it's a woman versus man thing. I took it as a woman versus man thing. Like, seriously, I probably would have taken it as an FBI thing, but he did the whole, like, let's not talk That's about this. That's true. He already started earlier. it. Mm-hmm. And then you're already in that mindset of they're yeah. just staring at her like, who the fuck are you to tell us? Exactly. And they put that little body cream, dead body cream under their noses so they can't smell it. It's Vicks. And she, is it Vicks? Mm-hmm. Okay. She turns away from the body to do it. Like, she doesn't want them to watch her put the stuff under her nose. And then they open it up and it seems to be her first body is what Mm -hmm. i'm assuming and it's a brutal one and she finally turns around and looks at it and she just says bill Mm -hmm. like this was him and she's tape recording her notes and you can tell she's struggling and she says she's not local ears are pierced three times looks like town two nails broken she tried to claw her way through something and then Clarice catches that there's something in her throat from the photos of the teeth they were taking. And they pull out a cocoon and says that someone shoved it in there. The victim's skin was removed in two diamond-shaped segments on her back. Which the cocoon, by the way, was a Tootsie Roll and gummy bear. <laughs> really? Yeah. Just in case that that body double swallowed it, it was a Tootsie Roll and gummy bear. That was a real body? 
It was a real person laying there. Really? Mm-hmm. They made her look dead dead. Mm-hmm. That's a kind of demeaning role. <laughs> yeah, I played the dead body. <laughs> yeah. Naked dead body. <laughs> and then she tells Crawford that she was, basically, he said, you were burned by that comment I made to that sheriff. And she said, well, they look at you at how to behave. So I if you... love that comment. Yeah. Get him. Yeah. And he's like, okay, point taken. Because he respects her. Yeah. But... He was trying to play the game to make yeah. the cops more comfortable. But she's like, well, they're going to look at you at how to behave. Exactly. So don't do it. And they won't do it. That's what the game is for and why mm-hmm. it's still around. So cut to this, like, natural history. It looks like a natural history museum to me. And there are these, like, bug scientists playing checkers with actual bugs. Yeah. And they're moving around. And these nerds are geeking Bulldog out. Bulldog from Frasier. Yeah. <laughs> these nerds are geeking out about this bug that she brings in. And one of them's hitting on her. Everyone in every situation is hitting on her. Yeah. But at least this guy's like, I don't know. Eh. Super blatant about it. Yeah. She's like, are you hitting on me, doctor? And he's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's kind of cute with his like cross-eyed stuff going on. They tell her that it is the death's head moth and only lives in Asia. And that somebody really, really cared about this bug, basically. And then it cuts to Buffalo Bill's house. Who was the one that cared about the bugs? And there's mannequins and women's clothes everywhere. And then you hear the screaming. And the victim, her name is Catherine Martin. She's in this, like, cemented, like, well type Mm -hmm. thing that obviously doesn't have water in it. It's just a big hole in the ground that he has cemented that she can't climb. Which, why the fuck is it there? Maybe it was some sort of well. It's a really old house. Maybe, I don't know. Or maybe he just tailor-made it for his victims, you know? And then you cut back to the hospital and see Hannibal. And Dr. Chilton is pissed. And at the earlier, it basically said, Dr. Chilton said that Dr. Lecter thinks of Dr. Chilton as his, like, arch nemesis or his rival or something Which like that. Which he's full of fucking shit. Mm-hmm. He's so pompous. Oh, my God. Yes. Such a little dick syndrome. Yes. Oh, for sure. He's pissed, though, because Clarice keeps coming in. And she tells Hannibal if he helps them catch Buffalo Bill. And he's also pissed because this. And he's listening to this conversation the whole time. Yeah. He'll get a federal prison and a Plum Island vacation. They must catch Buffalo Bill before Catherine Martin dies. So he'll get to swim in the ocean and he'll get a room with a view. And one week, once a year, he'll get to go to the beach. Yeah. With SWAT team surveillance. Yep. And the little map says Plum Island Animal Disease Research Center. (laughs) But hey, it's a beach. Hannibal wants to know personal things about her. Quick pro quo, doctor. Worst memory of childhood, he wants to know. And she says the death of my father. He was the town marshal and he was shot. He lasted about a month in the hospital and her mother died when she was very young. Which I had a problem with. Mm-hmm. Maybe this, this is definitely me you being had a nit- problem with people's parents dying. Yeah. <laughs> this is definitely me being nitpicky, but I think you'll agree with me on this one. Why does society, like she says, no, he was very strong and he lasted more than a month. Is it weak to die? I don't understand. A gunshot wound? I'm confused. I don't think so. Exactly. Yeah. Why does that make? Why would that make him weak if he died right away if he got shot in the head or something? Maybe in her eyes it just like made. She, he was already on a pedestal with her. You I just know. Hated that phrase. Yeah. Hannibal tells her it would be quite something to know her in a private life. He really likes her. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Was Martin a large girl? Big through the hips? Roomy? <laughs> Is that how we're referring to us now? Is roomy?" <laughs> God. <laughs> she tells him about the moth that they found 
and the same moth was in Benjamin's head, which was mm-hmm. the head that was in the jar that she found. And he says, Billy wants to change. And then he goes, what happened when you were orphaned? And she says, I went to live with my mom's cousin's ranch in Montana. And he lived there for two months and ran away. And then Hannibal Lecter says, Billy is not a real transsexual. There are three major hospitals for sex reassignment surgery. And he says he's probably been rejected by all of them due to severe childhood disturbances. Because hospitals aren't going to do something like that if you're not of sound mind to make those decisions for yourself. Or if they think they've stemmed from trauma and not true gender dysmorphia disorder. Yeah. And you see that Chilton is listening. And then it cuts to Bill. It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. Rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. So that's our iconic scene (laughs) right there. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Now it places the lotion in the basket after she lathers up her skin. Put the lotion in the basket. Put the lotion in the fucking basket. (laughs) (laughs) He gets like real emotional. And... He also puts a light down there, mm-hmm. like, to for her to put the lotion in. And when it's going up, she sees that there are, like, bloody nail marks. Yeah. Which means somebody's nail has, like, peeled up from oh, trying God. to climb up that. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And, of course, she just starts screezing, screaming. And he's, like, mocking her. And, yeah. like, yelling back but at her. But I noticed this for the first time that I hadn't noticed either. I don't feel like he's mocking her. Yeah. I actually feel like he's trying to be her because he pulls his shirt out. Like, I he's got that boobs. too. Yeah. So I'm wondering if he wasn't mocking. Because I always thought that. Yeah, he's mocking her. He's being a jackass. I'm yeah. wondering if he's not. If he was just putting Like, this is what we place. do. Yeah, because he wants to be a woman so bad. He's literally yeah. cutting their skin off for yeah. it. That wouldn't That's a good catch. I saw that, but I didn't know. I, it didn't, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a good point, though. So then it cuts back to Dr. Lecter and Dr. Chilton is laying there taunting him and tells him he spoke with a senator, which Catherine Martin, the girl that has been abducted and is at Buffalo Bills, is the daughter of a senator. And so she's been on TV, mm-hmm. like, begging for her daughter back. And they are, the FBI told Lecter that this deal was approved by the senator. Yeah. Maybe not that senator, but a senator because all, they're all involved in this. Mm-hmm. And he says there was never a deal. He said there's a deal now that he designed it, mm-hmm. that Dr. Chilton designed it, but he must name the killer by name. And Dr. Lecter says his first name is Lewis. I'll tell the senator herself in Tennessee. And then Crawford said he rolled the dice and gave Clarice knowledge. Like, Clarice didn't know that she was giving him a phony deal. Yeah. Like. Well, she says later that she knew. Yeah. But. In the book, she didn't know. Well, and it's weird because she gets, like, pissed off. Because Do- or Dr. Crawford said, yeah, I had to roll the dice on that one. Like, yeah. making up a fake deal, so. Makes you wonder if when she says later that, yes, she knew. She's just, like, covering her ass. Or their asses. Yeah. Which I'm sure to some extent she is. Mm-hmm. She wants to be a professional. And she doesn't want to look stupid in front of somebody that's so incredibly yeah. intelligent. And then it cuts to the Memphis airport and he's rolled out in his famous mask. And gurney, or not even gurney. It's, eh? Yeah, it's like a dolly. Yeah, they've got a strap too. So Chilton goes to sign the transfer, and he realizes his pen is missing. Fucking idiot! Because mm. you saw him like kind of chewing on it and twirling it earlier, yeah, like a jackass. And now it's missing. So the senator comes to see him, and he said he won't waste time. He gives them a name, which is Lewis Friend. 
tell me, Senator, did you nurse Catherine yourself? And then he says some other stuff and he said, toughened your nipples, didn't it? Tell me, mom. He talked about how when people are amputated, they get Mm -hmm. those like phantom feelings. So he says, tell me, mom, when your little girl is on the slab, where will it tickle you? (laughs) She runs away. And he yells, when she turns away, he yells the description of Lewis, quote unquote. And then, love your suit. Yeah. (laughs) Now they're putting Hannibal in a cage and Chilton is peacocking around to the media. He's like, oh, I got him to talk and it was my idea. And And because there's like a whole media frenzy around this, of course. You can see how small or how, mm, oh my God, how small his penis really is, how he's acting. (laughs) Because he's even like, oh, you want to talk to me? And then he goes, oh, it's Chilton. And then someone asks and he's like, that's, and he spells it really easy for him. He's like right on it. Yep. Yep. George A. Romero was one of the people that was with him, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead and all that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Clarice goes into this building. It's like a justice building or like some sort of like, yeah. like I don't know, city hall maybe. Yeah. And they like have built this makeshift cell in mm, this it's room. Very, it makes me think of like Batman and Gotham yeah. City. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And she's working out this Lewis friend anagram or puzzle mm-hmm. because she knows that's not his real name yeah. and it's a clue what is it iron sulfate i think so i think i have it written down here oh fool's gold why not yeah but yeah yeah she brought his drawings back to him and she came because she wanted to not because she was sent is what she tells him and he says people will think we're in love okay can i say something really weird I think that I would definitely have feelings. Yeah, like I know that's really weird and nasty, and he kills and eats people. But I think there's something so magnetizing about him that Maybe I think if he would blank. Yeah, I think that her getting close to him might feel like I'm the only one that's close to him, and that he is also close to. Yeah, and he's such an iconic, like crazy. I don't know. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not saying I'm like infatuated with like killers. But I just think it'd be an interesting dynamic to their relationship. I don't know. Y'all know we're creepy at this point. And we've mentioned it in the past. I'm fascinated by Jeffrey Dahmer. You're fascinated by Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. So I could see that. Like, he's incredibly smart. He's incredibly charismatic when he needs to be. Mm-hmm. This is very much Ted Bundy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess and that makes sense. Actor. I just like that personality. Yeah. like that dark brooding really intelligent which is weird because brad's not like that at all like not in a bad way Mm -hmm. like i need somebody like brad he's very like bubbly and outgoing and goofy and but like in film i really Mm -hmm. and in like uh just like general stories i really get drawn to like like you said the really like intense Mm -hmm. dark uh which is why i don't think i should be with somebody like that because i can i could easily like flip the switch and be like dark and because i'm usually pretty optimistic and positive Mm -hmm. but i could get definitely too far into something and be a completely different person so so he's gonna give her advice on how to catch him based on the case file and he said killing women is incidental what needs does he serve by killing and she's getting desperate about finding him so she's like just tell me just tell me doctor just tell me and he says he'll only listen if she answers why she left the ranch Spooky zoom in on his face. This is when he's like looking, his head is tilted down, but he's like looking straight at the camera. And every time it pans back to him, it's getting closer yes. and closer. And he doesn't and closer. blink. Mm-hmm. eyes. No. Oh my God. I said spooky zoom on his face. <laughs> she says she heard a strange noise that woke her up. 
It was some kind of screaming. She said I went downstairs, outside, crept into the barn, so scared to look inside, but I had to. She saw lambs screaming. They were slaughtering the lambs, and they were screaming. She tried to free them, but they wouldn't move. They were frozen. She grabbed a lamb, and she ran. He was so heavy. She only got a few miles when the sheriff picked her up. The rancher was so angry that he sent her to an orphanage, and her lamb was slaughtered. Which in the book, yes, she is woken up by the lambs, but she doesn't take a lamb. She takes a horse. That they were also killing for dog food. What? Yeah. That's a thing? They were, yeah. Oh, for sure. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Don't don't do, I have chickens. That's about it. (laughs) Hmm. And Dr. Lecter says, you still wake up sometimes in the dark and hear the screaming of the lambs. He tells her, you think saving Catherine will make the lambs stop. And she says, thank you, Clarice. And she says, tell me his name, doctor. And then Dr. Chilton walks in and ruins everything. And he makes her leave. Like, he can't share any of the, yeah, the glory. Because she even had to tell the policemen that were guarding him, like, oh, yeah, I'm one of Dr. Chilton's or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm authorized to be here. And when she leaves, he says, you will let me know when those lambs stop screaming. And he hands her the case file and he strokes her finger. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, mm. and he says, goodbye, Clarice. He doesn't actually say hello, Clarice, in this movie. No. Even though that's like, hello, Clarice. He says it in, I don't remember if it's Hannibal or Red Dragon. Mm. And he says it in one of those because everybody, that's the iconic hello, Clarice. People took from it. Yes. Even though so they threw it in one of the other movies. Yeah. And it shows him in his like makeshift cell and he's listening to music and he has drawn Clarice holding a lamb. It's kind of this like angelic picture he kills people people die in horrible ways the most disturbing scene of this movie is when he wants the extra raw lamb yeah first question what the fuck is extra raw it's uh, what is more raw than raw well it's called i think in the culinary industry it's called blue like you want it like literally seared on the outside and nothing cooked and also ew yeah, like it's... She tells you the story and you're like, kill that for me, thanks. Yeah. I'm gonna eat that tonight. Ew. <laughs> I mean, he eats people. Ew. <laughs> uh, two crops bring him dinner and he said, son of a bitch demanded a second dinner. Lamb chops. <laughs> you see him spit out part of the pin that he took from Dr. Chilton. So he's finally gonna use this little piece of this little metal piece of this pin and these poor cops, man, they're, they've been so nice to him, too. They've been like, you treat us well, we'll treat you well. And they're like, excuse me, doctor, same drill as before. Just put your hands here for me. Like, He's they're a serial very... killer. He doesn't care how nice they are. I know, but he does, to an extent, care about, like, manners. Like, he does, but you he know. still needs to break out. Yeah, that's, that's more true. important. Yeah. So, of course, when they handcuff him, it doesn't work. And the cop, like, bends down to put his dinner next to him because he tells him to mind the drawings, you know, when they're putting his dinner on the table. And you see that he handcuffs the cop because he's gotten out with that part of the pin. And he bites part of the cop's cheek off and sprays him with mace. The other cop. Just nasty. And then he comes and beats the other one with a nightstick. And it's very artistic. And there's Mm -hmm. classical music and blood splatter. And he's just over and over like he's conducting this music. It's very nuancey, I guess. Pretty cool. I, I can't imagine that kind of pain to have your face bitten off. Oh, no. No, no, no. Ew, no. I can't <laughs> Ew, imagine. No. 
And then he's like closing his eyes and listening to this soft piano. And the other man starts struggling again. And Hannibal grabs a pocket knife and he says, ready when you are, Sergeant Pembry. (laughs) And then it cuts to the other cops. And they're out in the lobby and they see the elevator moving. Mm -hmm. And they seal off a 10 block radius and get a SWAT team and an ambulance. And then they go in and Hannibal has strung up the other cop to look like an angel like an some sort of like angel of death or does he it elaborate does not do that in the book he doesn't okay mm-hmm. so it's just like movie symbolism uh, yeah. he doesn't do that well how much he kind time of looks like a moth he... doesn't he oh yeah i guess yeah hmm how could he do that by himself my question <laughs> and so fast like no yeah it was it had to have been quick mm-hmm. yeah and you see Pembry, the uh, sergeant, laying on the ground, and they hear him breathing. And they get him on a stretcher, and they're in an elevator, and they see blood fall on him from the top of the elevator shaft. And they tell Swat that he's on the roof of the elevator. And they rush Pembry out, and then they all get the Swat team to go up, and they look down on what they think is Hannibal Lecter, and they shoot him in the leg to see if he's alive. And there's no movement, and they open the catch, and then faceless dude falls out. Mm. Yeah, gross. Yeah. So they had put Pembury in an ambulance while the elevator stuff is going on. But, psych. (laughs) Psych. (laughs) Hannibal carved his face off and wore it and got a ride out. So Clarice finds out Hannibal's out, that he has escaped. And her friend is really concerned that he's going to come for her. And she says, he won't come for me. It sounds weird, but he would consider it rude. I love that. Yeah. And her and her friend are looking over the case files that Hannibal analyzed. Because he's written on some of these. And they figure out a pattern. We covet what we see every day. So they realize they need to go to where his first victim was taken. Even though that victim didn't surface until, like, after two other ones. Yeah. And so they go to Belvedere, Ohio. And she goes to the victim's family's home. And she finds a music box that this girl had, like, lingerie pictures in, mm-hmm. which is kind of, I guess not weird. She was, you know. That's true. In her, like, late teens, early 20s, definitely over 18, but. Not in the book. Oh. In the book, she doesn't have those pictures. The Catherine Martin, the one who's still alive, has those pictures. Oh, okay. So while she's in Frederica's house, which is the name of that victim, she sees that Frederica was a sewer. Mm-hmm. And she sees those triangle patterns on the back of the dress. And so she figures out that he's making a woman suit because they're the same pattern as that. So she calls Crawford. Those are to, I don't know if you know what those are because you don't sew. Uh, I don't. They are, they're called sewing darts. Mm. And they're actually supposed to make a pattern bigger because it's for bigger women. That's why she had to make that pattern wider for herself. So he's taking those because he needs his bodysuit bigger to fit him. Hmm. Which is why you find out later that he's, like, starving these girls for three days and making them lotion up their skin to make it a little easier and more flexible. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. So she calls Crawford, and he says they know, and they're going to a place outside Chicago. And he tells her to stay in Belvedere to work on making a strong case against him. And he says his name is Jamie Gum. Cut to Catherine being smart. And then we have the famous dance and tuck scene. And while he's doing this little dance and putting on makeup and tucking his penis. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the creepiest thing. I know. It just freaks me out when I'm looking at him like, what the 
Where's the dog? (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's Catherine's really smart because he's got this dog that he loves, Mm -hmm. and she lures. Yes, she lures Precious the dog down the hole with a bone. So now she's got his dog down there. Mm -hmm. So Clarice is talking to one of Frederica's friends and trying to figure out if she had a man. And she gets an address for Frederica's former boss. I think it was a tailor that owned the yeah you know, the tailor shop. It cuts to him, and he, it shows him with his bugs. And then it cuts to a SWAT team surrounding this house. And then it cuts to she's got Precious, and he's freaking out and saying, "Put her in the basket." And she says, "No, send me a phone down here." Mm-hmm. And he says, "Don't you hurt my dog?" And she's like, "Don't you make me hurt your dog?" And then he says, "You don't know what pain is." And he goes to grab a gun, but he has this little, like, school bell alarm. It's and a huge fucking gun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He it's sets a it giant on a revolver. Stove and it yeah. takes up a burner and a half. Yeah. And so he goes upstairs because his uh, doorbell goes off downstairs. He has it rigged up. And you see FBI got the wrong house. And Crawford realizes that Clarice is going to run into him mm-hmm. and end up at his house and not know it. So Clarice goes into his house and he's asking questions about the case. Did you take over? And she asked, did you take over this place after Mrs. Lippman died? So he's in this house of this tailor where she's expecting this woman. And it's this dude that has taken over her house. Which I don't know if you caught, but all of the names he uses are all JG. Mm-mm. Every single one of them. It's James Gum. It's John Grant. And it's Jack... Shoot, I forgot the last name, but the one he gives her at the door right there, yeah. it's Jack and Gordon. Gordon? Something. I think it's Gordon. Oh, I think it's Mr. I think it is Mr. Gordon. Yeah. And he says he did take it over and he was like, "Well, was she some great big fat lady?" And she's like, "She was a larger woman, you know." And he keeps pressing about the case and pressing and pressing and then she sees a moth. On lamp. sewing stuff. Oh, yeah. On sewing stuff. Sorry. And realizes who he is. Yeah. That she's got Buffalo Bill standing right in front of her. And she's like, can I use your phone, please? And he starts laughing. Like, he knows that she knows. And tell, she tells him to freeze and gets her gun. And then he just runs away. Mm-hmm. And she pursues him into his creepy basement. I love how shaky she is. Oh, like, yeah. Like, that was she's amazing terrified. acting. Oh, yeah. That's what adrenaline would really do to you. Because yeah. she's, like, trying to open it and she's, like, fumbling with it and everything because she's fucking scared. Well, the whole basement, it's amazing how big this place is. It's like a whole booby trap all That's on its own. That's what I was thinking. How is it this big? I don't know. It's got it's a huge. bunch of rooms. Yeah. Like, a ton of them. And she's obviously terrified and she hears Catherine screaming and then she finds his skin suit room and he's got like almost a full ass woman sitting on like the boobs mannequin. and everything Ugh, yes so creepy. and she says Catherine it's FBI you're safe now where is he where is he and she's like how do I know and Catherine calls her a bitch for leaving her down there it's like what she's got to kill the guy that's trying to kill you or exactly. you're both gonna die exactly I said stop being an ungrateful bitch I know you're traumatized but she's gonna come back for you mm-hmm. assuming she doesn't die <laughs> right what she almost does yeah she goes into the insects room and she finds mrs Littman in this nasty decomposing bathtub why do you think it's mrs Littman? curious because it looked like uh, a larger woman and nobody knows like what happened they don't ever talk about what happened to mrs Littman. and when she was asking did you just take it over he was like uh yeah i took it over huh. so i think that that's what happened to the owner of the home because 
it was he would have had access to all of her sewing stuff, which was still all there, and would have had like the. I mean, one it's of the definitely her home. Yeah, that he just took over, and I agree. Right. She died of. I didn't catch that it was her. I'm not even sure if it was her, and they don't say it in the book. That's why I was just curious to what led you to think that. I just think I. That just, sounds very plausible to yeah. me. That it very much, but he talks about how he has killed. Uh, it's almost like H.H. H. Holmes style yeah. down there because he's talked about how he's killed so many people down there and he's yeah. just shut some of them off. Yeah. So there's more rooms that we don't even see. And it could be one bodies. of his victims. You don't really get to see like any part. The body is decomposing and it's laying like face up. So mm-hmm. you don't see if it's been cut into. But she was and she also says, wasn't she a great big fat lady? So it wouldn't be a bad place for him to start. You know what I mean? I thought because... he was saying that about Frederica. Mm-mm. I think he was saying that about Mrs. Littman. No, because she was asking about the death of Frederica. And he goes, mm-hmm. wasn't she a big fat Great lady? Great big fat person or something. I don't know. Yeah. He, don't it know. does not say in the book, and I don't know, but that's really interesting. And that was cool yeah. to hear because, yeah, I did not even think of that, that it could be Mrs. Littman. Maybe he just uh, took an opportunity, like uh, Hannibal was saying. He yeah. started where he was, you know. And then the lights go off, which is like her worst nightmare. <laughs> and that's he, the worst. He has ever. fucking night vision goggles. I'm afraid of the dark. I yeah. would pass out. Well, at least she wouldn't be awake for everything yeah, that was right. going to happen. And she, I said she fucked. <laughs> and he's advancing on her quickly. And she like falls in a doorway, and her gun so hand good. is She's like, like hyperventilating, shaking to where it's like if she shot, who knows yeah. where the bullet would go. She's honestly, freaking out so bad. Yeah. And this is what anyone would do. Yeah, she heard him cock his gun behind her and turns and just starts shooting. So that split second of that him shit. getting that gun ready to shoot, she hears it click and she turns around and starts shooting. So what's even cooler in the book is he actually mentions throughout it how he loves this gun. Before it even comes to this point, he loves it because he loves to hear that two click. He loves no. to hear that over and over again. He mentions that about that gun and then it comes to fuck him. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, because she... Shoots him so many times that he dies pretty quickly. And she does. She just unloads on him, and she's like putting more in. And I love that. I'm like, yeah. go, girl, get it. If him. you have to keep shooting, keep shooting. Yeah. And then the rest of the FBI finally fucking show up, and you see Catherine coming out of the house, and she's got pre- she's just holding she's this got dog. The puppy. So that's her dog now, which it's actually not in the book, but I don't know if I would. Not that I wouldn't love the dog, but I don't know if, if that might be too triggering for me. I might. She want. wants to keep the dog in the yeah. book. The senator says she can't. Bitch. I, let her keep the fucking dog. I was about to say, like, I would let my, if my child had just gone through that, and that was the one thing that kept her, you the know, even. like, we don't have dogs. Oh. I would let my do- kid have anything. Right? At that moment, honestly. I mean, I know that's probably not good parenting, but, you know. Um, cut to FBI graduation. Clarice gets, uh, she graduates, which is great, and Clarice gets a phone call at the reception, and it's Hannibal Lecter. And he says, well, Clarice, have the lamb stopped screaming? And she's like, where are you? Da, 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 you know, and he says he has no plans to call on her and tells her to take care. He says he's having an old friend for dinner. And it looks like you see Chilton has, it looks like Chilton has fled. Yeah. He's running from Hannibal Lecter because he knows. And it looks like they're in like Haiti or somewhere in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. But he's already standing at the airport before Chilton even gets there. So he's already got the jump on him. So, and he's going to fuck him up and eat him. And that's the best quote, having an old friend. Because anybody can say that, that you're having an old friend for dinner. But he's like going to eat him. But he's a cannibal. (laughs) So you're like, oh, shit. Okay. 
And I thought it was cute in the credits. They credit the cast in order of appearance, and they even credited Precious the dog, and her real name was Darla. That's cute. Mm-hmm. Precious was Darla. The moths were tobacco heartworm moths, and they were actually dressed up in costumes. The moths were? Yeah. They were dressed up in body shields bearing a painted skull and crossbones to keep them safe. Hmm. I want that moth tattooed on my body. Somebody sat around. Costume, Put a costume on and painted him. <laughs> as long as it wasn't harmful to them, oh, that's kind of cute. And then uh, the writer Thomas Harris, he was actually a known introvert and he was incredibly shy and private. But when the cast was up for was nominated, he sent them all a case of wine for good luck. Oh, that's cool. I hope he got a good payout for that. <laughs> Did it win any Oscars? Mm-mm. Just nominated. No. But all the recipients got wine from him. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cute. I think that I would rate this movie a four out of five. Yeah, I probably would too. I don't know what we're going to do when we come across something we don't agree on. Because so far we've been pretty close on everything. Yeah, and that's mostly because like we picked this first year of podcasting. And we're like, so excited to talk about these specific yeah. movies. So they're ones that we like. But there will be. We were talking about that the other day. There will come a time. When we really don't agree, mm-hmm. which is great, but then we can debate a little bit more. Yeah. But right now, it's just like what we're catching in some of our favorite movies. Exactly. Which is cool. Someone asked if we were going to do Slither. <laughs> Ooh. Not this year. Yeah. Just to answer that question. Not not this year. But we do have a lot of cool stuff on the schedule, and I'm really excited about some new releases coming out. So stick around for that. If you've listened to our last few episodes, you know that we are celebrating crossing our 1,000th stream milestone. And we're doing that for the entire month of April. So this is still within that month and the giveaway is still going on. So you can head over to our Instagram and it is The Extra Sisters Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook at the same name, The Extra Sisters Podcast, on Twitter at The Extra Sisters. And like many of you have already done, which we love, if you want to share a story with us or have us talk about anything specific or any of your work, please hit us up at theextrasisters at gmail.com. And next time, every man his mortal enemy, a woman's beauty his prey. Till then, stay creepy.